0: Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today we are going to discuss the importance of using the 6 gigahertz band for 5G and the benefits of unlicensed spectrum. Here to discuss this with me is Martha Suarez, president of Dynamic Spectrum Alliance. Welcome, Martha.
1: Hi, Patrick. Thank you for having me here. It's my pleasure.
0: First, can we just start off, can you tell us a little bit about Dynamic Spectrum Alliance and what is your mission?
1: Sure, sure. The Dynamic Spectrum Alliance is a global, cross-industry, not-for-profit organization, and we advocate for laws, regulations, and best practices that will lead to more efficient use of the spectrum, uh, fostering innovation and affordable connectivity for all. So basically if we say very quickly, it's like we are trying to make the most efficient use of the spectrum and we think that technologies can really, new technologies can really help to make sure spectrum is not a barrier for broadband connectivity.
0: So can you give us an overview of the current situation for the six gigahertz band and its authorized uses?
1: Yes, so currently the six gigahertz band is already um, allocated for different services, including fixed service that is mainly used for microwave links. So it's like the backhaul of broadband connectivity. There is also an allocation for fixed satellite service um, and the fixed satellite service is mainly used, uh, you know, in this band for different um, transmissions that are wide coverage and with uh, that bridge, those that are mostly underserved or under-connected. So, and we also have some other additional usages of the band. There are some portions of that that are allocated for, for example, for radio astronomy. In some countries, we also have allocation location to mobile and that is important, for example, for electronics news gathering. In some countries, you have these systems that are, um, you know, used for broadcast, but they're moving from one place to the other. So that is a mobile allocation. But important to mention that is not IMT identification. So it means that it's not dedicated for mobile networks as for cellular mobile networks.
0: So what spectrum is available for increasing the capacity of mid-band 5G?
1: Today, the established path to mid band license 5G is through the three gigahertz band mainly. So it could be from 3.3 gigahertz to 3.8. And then also there are new um, cases now from 3.8 to 4.2 gigahertz band globally. And uh, most of the mid band new radio devices have been announced for the three gigahertz range, including N77 and N78 along with devices for the 2.5 gigahertz band, N41, and 2.1 gigahertz band, N1. Um, it's important to say that at the six gigahertz frequency band, there is no new radio specification for standard FDD or TDD 3TPP technology. But uh, I all, there is a 5G new radio unlicensed that has been specified for license XM use in the six gigahertz band. So we see more that there are opportunities for mid-band capacity in the, you know, it could be the the evolution of those networks that are currently 3G or 4G. That spectrum could be used in the future by 5G systems, Uh, the 2.5 gigahertz band, the um, 3.5 that I just explained before. And also there are new studies about the 4.9 gigahertz band. So we think that those bands provide um, a, a lot of flexibility for regulators to um, deploy 5G systems. And important to say also that in many cases, um, the main issue is not identifying frequency, more spectrum for IMT, but is, is on the process of us making sure that that spectrum is assigned to the mobile operators. So uh, we see that there is enough spectrum that has been identified for IMT in low band, mid band and also high bands with a lot of capacity for millimeter waves in, in, you know, all the new bands in 36 gigahertz, 78 gigahertz in some countries and so on. So that is, um, there is a very good combination of of spectrum for 5G networks that is already available and that will be enough to cover that, uh, those requirements in the future complementing those networks with Wi-Fi and license XM networks.
0: And so why would it be important to make full use of the bandwidth available in these 6 gigahertz bands and not just part of it?
1: Uh, that is a very interesting question. From the DSA, we think that the most benefit for the 6 gigahertz band will be not dedicated for license access, but for license exempt or unlicensed access. And we are convinced that that is a great way to Increase broadband uh, services and better services for users. So let me explain it better. <laughs> so it's basically uh, regulators have the choice right now to dedicate the six gigahertz band from fifty nine twenty five megahertz to seventy one twenty five megahertz for unlicensed access or license exempt access. That would give twelve hundred megahertz of a spectrum that could be used by different technologies, including Wi Fi. So Wi-Fi, the sixth generation of Wi-Fi in the six gigahertz band is known as Wi-Fi 6E. So we could have that technology. Then the evolution of Wi-Fi will be Wi-Fi 7. That is expected after 2024, I mean by 2024. So we could also have that. But additionally, that's very interesting. That band could be also used for 5G if it is license exempt because there is a technology known as a 5G new radio unlicensed. That has been developed at the 3GPP level and allows 5G systems to use license XM spectrum for 5G networks. So, in our vision, uh, but there are many more reasons, but I'm quite quickly summarizing. I think, in our vision, the best use of the 6 GHz band including it for new technologies like Wi-Fi 6E and Wi-Fi 7, but also for 5G, will be to dedicate it for license-exempt access. So we could have a complement of, uh, of Wi-Fi networks with current existing broadband networks.
0: So maybe can you review the pros and cons of licensed versus unlicensed in the use of the 6 gigahertz band? Because I think there are some people proponing that you know, it should be licensed and some that shouldn't be or a combination of both.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So we believe, as I mentioned before, the best use of the band would be for license exam access instead of license. First, because there is a technology imperative for 1200 megahertz. Uh, There are many um, use cases that are driving demand and that require high bandwidth. Let me explain it. (laughs) So normally, let's focus on Wi-Fi technologies. Wi-Fi, we are using it right now in 2.4 and five gigahertz bands, right? Those are the traditional Wi-Fi networks. But in those bands, the maximum channel bandwidths that we could have, I mean the traditional channel bandwidths are 20, 40, and eight megahertz. The evolution of, new, of, of increase of use, but also new use cases like augmented and virtual reality will need larger bandwidths. And Wi-Fi 6 brings now the port- opportunity to use channels of 160 megahertz in addition to those. And then Wi-Fi 7 will also provide the capabilities for channels of 320 megahertz of bandwidth. So that capacity, we won't be able to have it with with the existing frequency bands. We will need more spectrum for Wi-Fi. That is, uh, that it's imperative if we want to keep uh, providing users the quality of service that that they require and they need. So that is a first aspect is making sure we have that available bandwidth and that is not only for users at home for households it's, your, it's also important for enter- enterprise use cases. So we are seeing that demand for additional capacity and that is the first uh, ask me which are the reasons so the first one is because we need to provide uh, the technical capacity and the, the, for the current and future use cases. Then it's important also to know that uh, Wi-Fi is not only carrying Wi-Fi traffic. <laughs> Wi-Fi is also essential for cellular offload. Um, so it means that, for example, when a user is having his smartphone or smart smartphone, when you go at home or when you go to the office, part of the, mo- of the traffic, instead of going through the f- mobile network, it is offload to Wi-Fi. And that is, I, I think you have also seen that when you say like, do you want to update your system? And you say like, yes, And then it says, but you are not connected to a Wi-Fi network. <laughs> are you sure you want to do it? Um, and that happens also when you want to download uh, some videos or, or those applications. So Wi-Fi is uploading uh, a good part of the m- traffic from mobile networks, from cellular networks. And that's going to increase with 5G. You know, that has been growing with every new generation of mobile technologies. Um, so it's important to have it. Other aspect is that, you know, the traffic that we have Wi-Fi networks is really high. You know, in uh, we, we have made some studies at the DSA um, in North America and Europe. And, you know, the daily traffic in North America could be between like dependent in a five gigahertz Wi-Fi network. It could be between eight to 10 gigabytes per day. That's huge. Wow. <laughs> and if you, you know, like, And and most of users, for example, in Europe, 90% of the traffic is indoors, not outdoors. So we need to make sure that Wi-Fi networks won't become a bottleneck, you know? Like we are talking about gigabit connectivity. One of the purposes, for example, in Europe for the Digital Decade program is to provide one gigabit per second, one gigabit per second for every household in Europe by 2030. So if we don't have enough capacity wi-fi giving additional spectrum there will be a bottleneck and 500 megahertz is not enough especially for high for um, high density environments for example if you're in a in a building and you're in an apartment and then your neighbors are also connected to wi-fi especially at the peak hours so we need a lot of channels that could be used in a relatively small area to provide that capacity to every user that is connected to the internet so that is, and, and, and you can imagine for enterprises, that's even more. Mm-hmm. Then the other argument is that license XM access to the entire six gigahertz band is providing a huge economic impact. You know, normally that instead of um, administrations receiving money from an auction, that is the traditional way that it happens mm-hmm. with uh, the with, uh, mobile networks, we are providing here a social and economic benefit. We have quantified it from the DSA perspective, and we have those numbers for different countries. For example, let me give an example. In the case of Brazil, we found that the economic benefit would be more than $163 billion U.S. dollars in 10 years. Wow. That's huge. So that is just for the 6 gigahertz band by Wi-Fi in general has also a huge contribution to the economy. The Wi-Fi Alliance made a study that found that the global value of Wi-Fi in 2021 was $3.3 trillion, and it will be $4.9 trillion by 2025. So it's really huge. You know, it's like, um, and that is explained because Wi-Fi has uh, impact on different sources of value. Like, for example, um, you know, like public hotspots, like the opportunity to develop AR, VR, the opportunities for enterprises to update their networks. Instead of having uh, cable to every computer, they can have Wi Fi, very performant Wi Fi networks um, that will provide that value. So, there are many sources of value that are taken into account. And there is also an, an opportunity cost if I may say it. So it means that instead of waiting to see what will happen, because uh, at this point, there is there is no ecosystem in that ban for 5G licensed. Um, and then if regulators decide to wait in region one to see what will happen at WRC and then to see if they clean the ban and if they have the auction, all that will take a lot of time. If regulators decide to open the ban for license exempt access immediately, they will start seeing the economic benefits from the beginning, because then you will have a lot of equipment, Wi-Fi equipment coming to the country or in general license exempt equipment, and then it will create uh, those use cases. The Wi-Fi technology standards and interoperability are all in place today. Um, we had one of our DSA members that is Broadcom, they announced recently that they had shipped more than 1 billion Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E radius. So it's a reality, you know, you can see now many devices, including Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E. Uh, it could be computers, tablets, smartphones, even TV. <laughs> you know, like now there are so many objects connected to the internet. So that's what we are seeing, that there is a huge ecosystem there. Um, and then coming back to your first question, uh, also, we need the entire ban for, for license-exempt access instead of license access, because we know that Wi-Fi or license exam devices can coexist very well with the incumbents in the band, with the fixed service, with the fixed satellite services. Uh, So those services can be protected and they can continue uh, growing because uh, Wi-Fi is going to coexist with them. That is something that is not decided for 5G yet. You know, that is under study for licensed 5G. Um, And there, ongoing studies to know if it would be possible to have IMT identification in the upper part of the band uh, protecting incumbents. But that is something that has not been solved yet. In the case of Wi-Fi, we know that it's possible. We had studies in the US, we had studies in Europe, and, and all of them have shown that it is possible to coexist. Then my final argument about why the entire band should be for license exempt is because it is the best way to support both future growth and innovation in 5G and Wi-Fi ecosystem, uh, because of the 5G of loading, because of the backhaul, and because new radio and license. So, we think that um, administrations, even all the 5G leaders right now that have that have um, made decisions for more spectrum for 5G, have also decided to dedicate the entire band for Wi-Fi. That is the case of the United States. That's the case of Canada. That's the case of the Republic of Korea and also of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So um, we are seeing a lot of good examples where uh, 5G is very important for the agenda of regulators. And at the same time, they dedicate the entire ban for license exempt access as a good combination so the two technologies can complement each other.
0: You mentioned interoperability uh, with Wi-Fi and some of the other bands that are used by like satellite and other services. How does 5G and Wi-Fi interoperate in these bands if they're overlapping?
1: Well, the issue is that uh, at this point, we don't know if 5G could be used in the band. Uh, That is the question of agenda item 1.2 that is studied for WRC 23. So WRC 23 is studying 100 megahertz, uh, from 7025 to 7125 megahertz uh, globally. And then a portion of the band from 6425 to 7025 megahertz, it's under study for what we call region one. <laughs> so for those listening that are not familiar with ITU regions, ITU divides the world in three regions. Region one is Europe, Africa, and Middle East. Region two is the Americas, and region three is Asia Pacific. So uh, basically the only region that is studying the upper part of the band is region one. It means that the Americas and Asia Pacific are not studying the band because they decided not to study. And that was a decision in 2019 at, at last WRC. And it means that's why we are seeing many regulators from region two and region three that have decided already to have license exempt access to the band. And then in region one, that portion is under study, but right now the process is like uh, uh, administrations and and contributors will send contributions um, analyzing the fact if we could have coexistence between IMT, so 5G systems and incumbents in the band um when you hear the incumbents they say that it's not possible to coexist uh but that is part of the discussion and that will be decided by 2023 if it is possible to chair and under which conditions so because there is no decision about a possible identification of the band so a possible 5g use of that band we cannot study how wi-fi would coexist with 5g because we don't even know if that band could be used for 5G. The right. studies that have been done so far are coexistence of Wi-Fi systems or license-exempt systems with incumbents, so fixed service, fixed satellite services, and the other ones that I mentioned at the beginning.
0: Are there any other regional differences in the frequency bands as far as benefits and what they would be used? Um, It seemed like in some of the discussions that it was really critical for Europe in order to meet their IMT 2020 goals, they would need to allocate some of this band.
1: Yeah, well, um, indeed, that's part of the discussion. Like right now, there are many studies that say, look, we need more capabilities for broadband access. And some studies say we need more capability for mobile networks. Uh, and that I think that's that's perfectly fine, but many of the use cases that have been identified exclusively for mobile networks can be covered by Wi-Fi networks, by license exempt uh, networks, for example, or could be covered also using dynamic spectrum access or spectrum sharing in some of the IMT identifi- identified frequency bands. Let me give you an example. We talk a lot now about AR-VR, augmented virtual reality. And we are even going farther, you know, now we're talking about haptic systems. (laughs) We are talking about really, uh, you are not engaged just with video, but you have like a completely immersive experience. Um, All those cases will really depend on license XM access spectrum. You cannot imagine, for example, glasses. You cannot imagine every pair of glasses having a 5G chipset, because that's more expensive. And that is, there are also some design constraints for for those devices so those devices will need wi-fi 6e wi-fi 7 or license xm access because they will connect to a smartphone and that is why it's complement to 5g or they will connect to a f- fixed device at home so that connection between glasses for example and the phone will that that's where we need the 1200 megahertz of a spectrum to really have a, a, an immersive experience And that should be license exam because otherwise you would have a SIM card for every connected device and that would be, no, you know, you won't be able to manage. So there are many cases where we say, okay, we need 5G for AR, VR. Sure, but that's when you're outside moving. (laughs) But it doesn't, I mean, that will need as a complement the spectrum for for Wi-Fi and for 5G. And and also, there are many use cases um, that I would like to highlight here. We we say that we need broadband connectivity for companies. that Some big companies could afford their own 5G network at the location, but we need to consider startups, SMEs. All those companies will need gigabit performance networks, but they want, they, they, and they can rely on Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 6E1, Wi-Fi 7. So Wi-Fi is capable to, to, to keep that capacity. And also uh, it, because of the low cost, because of the easy deployment, Wi-Fi will support the widespread adoption of digital solutions, especially for IoT and robotics. So there is a combination of cases. We believe um, that there could be a very good combination, for example, in Europe, as you just mentioned, using the six gigahertz band, the entire six gigahertz band for license exempt access and combining that with the 3.8 to 4.2 gigahertz band for uh, mobile uh, broadband networks where you could you have applications for verticals. So that gives administrations the flexibility to have the two technologies. And at the end, that's best for users and consumers because they will have lower prices and the choice uh, of the two technologies.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to set it up that way. It's very flexible and definitely a lower cost approach, I think, for everybody. What are your hopes for the six gigahertz band over the next few years looking forward?
1: Yeah, we are expecting to see um, there is a global momentum right now. Uh, there are many administrations that have decided to open the six gigahertz band for license exempt access. Um, many decided to open entire band, some of them decided to open just the lower part of the band at this point and keep studying the upper part so first is we expect to see that global momentum continuing and growing that's very important uh, because it generates economies of a scale that at the end are going to benefit all of us <laughs> um, so that is important we are also seeing Most of the the, the six gigahertz band has three different use cases, low power indoor, um, that is like the traditional Wi-Fi configuration that we have at home. So we we are inside the building at at home or at the office and then we connect to Wi-Fi. Um, There is another type of usage that is the very low power devices. Um, that is the one that I mentioned about the glasses, for example, connecting to a smartphone. So those glasses or terminals that we could use, they are very low power because they, they, their coverage is just a range of a few meters, a couple of meters. Um, so they have specific regulations and conditions, regulatory conditions. And then the third use case is what we call standard power. So those are systems that could be used outdoors and indoors, and they are very good to provide, for example, Wi-Fi access in a park or in a public hotspot. Or if you want to cover the campus of the university, then you will need Wi-Fi for outdoors. So um, the first two cases, LPI, low power indoors, and very low power, they are controlled just by the rules. They can coexist with the incumbents just with the rules. And in the third case, uh, for standard power, we need an automated frequency coordination system that will protect the incumbents. So we are seeing now uh, a lot of advancements in that. In the US, uh, the FCC uh, received proposals for AFC, and they received 14 proposals from different companies or groups of companies that chose a very vibrant ecosystem. And now they're in the process of um, uh, studying and, and having some demos of those uh, of those databases to make sure that everyone feels uh, okay with those systems and then they can be certified. So also one of our expectations is to see more and more adoption of standard power applications that will uh, enable um, more use cases at the end, like those that are outdoors. And in, in the case of Europe in particular, we have been um, engaging with the different authorities and in the last ECC plenary, the 57 ECC plenary, it was decided to have a new work item uh, about coexistence studies in the, of uh, Wi-Fi networks with incumbents in the upper part of the band because Europe made the decision for the lower part of the band. So we are very excited to see that now there will be studies for the upper part of the band. Um, and we think that that is a must if we want to really provide the capacity that is planned in the digital decade program that I was mentioning before that one, one gigabit per second for every household, we would need more capacity. So we expect to see that momentum growing, more regulations uh, in that direction. And, uh, and yeah, and also seeing the evolution, the ecosystem that the industry is delivering. Um, we have seen, uh, the, the, many devices now, but I also expect to see Wi-Fi seven coming, uh, in, in, in the coming years and then providing really, really high throughputs. We will have with Wi-Fi seven, it is expected to have tens of gigabits per second, you know? So it's really, <laughs> when, when we see that it's like, wow, that's, that's really the future. And that's really what we need to see. But, For that to become a reality, we need more spectrum, and we need the 6 gigahertz band spectrum.
0: Great. Thanks so much for talking with me today, Martha, about using the 6 gigahertz band for 5G applications for unlicensed use. We will continue to follow this developing area and hope to have you back again for an update. To our audience, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.